Section 12 of Hinduism and Buddhism, an Historical Sketch, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hinduism and Buddhism, an Historical Sketch, Volume 1, by Charles Eliot. Chapter 12 it must not however be supposed that hindus like the prospect of transmigration on the contrary from the time of the upanishads and the buddha to the present day their religious ideal corresponding to salvation is emancipation and deliverance deliverance from rebirth and from the bondage of desire which brings about rebirth now all indian theories as to the nature of transmigration are in some way connected with the idea of karma that is the power of deeds done in past existences to condition or even to create future existences every deed done whether good or bad affects the character of the doer for a long while so that to use a metaphor the soul awaiting rebirth has a special shape which is of its own making and it can find re-embodiment only in a form into which that shape can squeeze these views of rebirth and karma have a moral value for they teach that what a man gets depends on what he is or makes himself to be and they avoid the difficulty of supposing that a benevolent creator can have given his creatures only one life with such strange and unmerited disproportion in their lots ordinary folk in the east hope that a life of virtue will secure them another life as happy beings on earth or perhaps in some heaven which though not eternal will still be long but for many the higher ideal is renunciation of the world and a life of contemplative asceticism which will accumulate no karma so that after death the soul will pass not to another birth but to some higher and more mysterious state which is beyond birth and death it is the prevalence of views like this which has given both hinduism and buddhism the reputation of being pessimistic and unpractical it is generally assumed that these are bad epithets but are they not applicable to christian teaching modern and medieval christianity as witness many popular hymns regards this world as vain and transitory a veil of tears and tribulation a troubled sea through whose waves we must pass before we reach our rest and choirs sing though without much conviction that it is weary waiting here this language seems justified by the gospels and epistles it is true that some utterances of christ suggest that happiness is to be found in a simple and natural life of friendliness and love but on the whole both he and st paul teach that the world is evil or at least spoiled and distorted to become a happy world it must be somehow remade and transfigured by the second coming of christ the desires and ambitions which are the motive power of modern europe are if not wrong at least vain and do not even seek for true peace and happiness like indian teachers 
the early christians tried to create a right temper rather than to change social institutions they bade masters and slaves treat one another with kindness and respect but they did not attempt to abolish slavery indian thought does not really go much further in pessimism than christianity but its pessimism is intellectual rather than emotional he who understands the nature of the soul and its successive lives cannot regard any single life as of great importance in itself though its consequences for the future may be momentous and though he will not say that life is not worth living reiterated declarations that all existence is suffering do it is true seem to destroy all prospect of happiness and all motive for effort but the more accurate statement is in the words of the buddha himself that all clinging to physical existence involves suffering the earliest buddhist texts teach that when this clinging and craving cease a feeling of freedom and happiness takes their place and later buddhism treated itself to visions of paradise as freely as christianity many forms of hinduism teach that the soul released from the body can enjoy eternal bliss in the presence of god and even those severer philosophers who do not admit that the released soul is a personality in any human sense have no doubt of its happiness the opposition is not so much between indian thought and the new testament for both of them teach that bliss is attainable but not by satisfying desire the fundamental contrast is rather between both india and the new testament on the one hand and on the other the rooted conviction of european races however much christian orthodoxy may disguise their expression of it that this world is all important footnote forty seven perhaps russians in this as in many other matters think somewhat differently from other europeans End footnote. this conviction finds expression not only in the avowed pursuit of pleasure and ambition but in such sayings as that the best religion is the one which does most good and such ideals as self-realization or the full development of one's nature and powers europeans as a rule have an innate dislike and mistrust of the doctrine that the world is vain or unreal they can accord some sympathy to a dying man who sees in due perspective the unimportance of his past life or to a poet who under the starry heavens can make felt the smallness of man and his earth but such thoughts are considered permissible only as retrospects not as principles of life you may say that your labor has amounted to nothing but not that labor is vain though monasteries and monks still exist the great majority of europeans instinctively disbelieve in asceticism the contemplative life and contempt of the world they have no love for a philosopher who rejects the idea of progress and is not satisfied with an ideal consisting in movement towards an unknown goal they demand a religion which theoretically justifies the strenuous life 
all this is a matter of temperament and the temperament is so common that it needs no explanation what needs explanation is rather the other temperament which rejects this world as unsatisfactory and sets up another ideal another sphere another standard of values this ideal and standard are not entirely peculiar to india but certainly they are understood and honored there more than elsewhere they are professed as i have already observed by christianity but even the new testament is not free from the idea that saints are having a bad time now but will hereafter enjoy a triumph parlously like the exuberance of the wicked in this world the far east too has its unworldly side which though harmonizing with buddhism is native in many ways the chinese are as materialistic as europeans but throughout the long history of their art and literature there has always been a school clear-voiced if small which has sung and pursued the joys of the hermit the dweller among trees and mountains who finds nature and his own thoughts an all-sufficient source of continual happiness but the indian ideal though it often includes the pleasures of communion with nature differs from most forms of the chinese and christian ideal inasmuch as it assumes the reality of certain religious experiences and treats them as the substance and occupation of the highest life we are disposed to describe these experiences as trances or visions names which generally mean something morbid or hypnotic but in india their validity is unquestioned and they are not considered morbid the sensual scheming life of the world is sick and ailing the rapture of contemplation is the true and healthy life of the soul more than that it is the type and foretaste of a higher existence compared with which this world is worthless or rather nothing at all this view has been held in india for nearly three thousand years it has been confirmed by the experience of men whose writings testify to their intellectual power and has commanded the respect of the masses it must command our respect too even if it is contrary to our temperament for it is the persistent ideal of a great nation and cannot be explained away as hallucination or charlatanism it is allied to the experiences of european mystics of whom saint teresa is a striking example though less saintly persons such as walt whitman and j a simmons might also be cited of such mysticism william james said quote, the existence of mystical states absolutely overthrows the pretension of non-mystical states to be the sole and ultimate dictators of what we may believe End quote. footnote forty eight varieties of religious experience page four twenty seven the chapter contains many striking instances of these experiences collected mostly in the west End footnote. these mystical states are commonly described as meditation but they include not merely peaceful contemplation but ecstatic rapture they are sometimes explained as union with brahman the absorption of the soul in god 
or its feeling that it is one with him footnote forty nine compare saint teresa's orison of union w james loco citato page four o eight end footnote but this is certainly not the only explanation of ecstasy given in india for it is recognized as real and beneficent by buddhists and jains the same rapture the same sense of omniscience and of ability to comprehend the scheme of things the same peace and freedom are experienced by both theistic and non-theistic sects just as they have also been experienced by christian mystics the experiences are real but they do not depend on the presence of any special deity though they may be colored by the theological views of individual thinkers footnote fifty indian devotees understand how either siva or krishna is all in all and thus too saint teresa understood the mystery of the trinity c w james loco citato page four eleven end footnote the earliest buddhist texts make right rapture sama samadhi the end and crown of the eightfold path but offer no explanation of it they suggest that it is something wrought by the mind for itself and without the cooperation or infusion of any external influence end of section twelve recording by linda johnson